All right. I am now joined by Ryan uh, Zickgraf, uh, formerly known as uh, as Ryan Smith. Uh, still, uh, still known as that. If you see his Twitter handle, uh, Ryan Smith Writer, uh, and uh, invite, <laughs> invited him here to. Uh, I don't uh, want to lose like, my blue check. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Well, you know, if you can, uh, if you're you know, going to sell out your ethnic heritage in exchange for the blue check, you know, I guess I can't argue with that. There you go. Uh, um, yeah. So I invited you on to talk about your excellent article in uh, Jacobin. Uh, no, America is not sliding into a civil war, which is one of those things that's amazing that needs to be said. But um, how are you doing today? Oh, it needs to be. It needs to be said. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm I'm doing great, Ben. Um, it is unlike maybe where it is there. It's like 60 degrees and sunny, and Mardi Gras is coming up this weekend, so it's pretty nice. Yeah, well, it is actually starting to get nice in Atlanta right now. Um, like today was a lot better than it's that it's been. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I spent most of my life living in Michigan, but I was in, uh, you know, Florida for a while in grad school and right after. And I'm always complaining that, like, I don't understand what the point is of living in Atlanta as far as weather goes because it's like cold a lot, you know, in the uh, in the winter. But like, it doesn't snow, so it just seems like the worst of both worlds to me. But <laughs> uh, but it's been good, you know. But I've, it's been good here. Uh, I am back in person at uh, at Morehouse. So uh, that is uh, that has been good. We started the semester online because of Omicron, but this is actually the first time I've been back in a physical classroom since March two thousand and twenty. So wow. I know, right? Like I, uh, I mean, I could have been, you know, last semester it just kind of didn't work out with things, but um, but yeah, it is nuts how long it's been. It's like almost exactly two years since like GSU shut down over spring break, like, you know, most places did, but, um, you know, it's, it's okay. I, I do feel a little bit like, uh, <laughs> coming out of that, right. I do feel a little bit like, uh, Homer and Mr. Burns, you know, when they get snowed in together and they're, you know, uh, sinking into paranoia from, you know, being isolated together, but you know, I'm all right. Well, you're also describing America right now, <laughs> <laughs> which takes us back so, to the article. So yes. that's <laughs> perfect. <laughs> So, so yeah, maybe that's a good place to start, actually. Like, why does this need to be said? Like, like, t- tell me a little bit about what people are what people are claiming right now. Well, I noticed that as the media tends to do, um, they all decided the same thing at once um, around, I'd say, the end of December, because it was sort of like, okay, we're going to think about the end of the year and what happened in twenty twenty one. And it coincided with the first anniversary of January 6th. And so it's kind of all coalesced around, okay, let's remember January 6th and then freak out about it. Yeah, which is a really odd thing. It just seems, I mean, I guess in a way it's like how in 2002 or something, there was this weird incompetent attempt to like put a bomb in a shoe um mm-hmm. and that and so like somehow that meant that we have to spend 20 years of taking off our shoes at the airport because this person like failed to do this and 
you know, doesn't really even seem to have a very well thought out plan. Um, it, it just sort of seems like January 6th should be okay. Well, like some idiots who clearly didn't, you know, again, did not have a well thought out plan, uh, did this like weird thing where, you know, there was a riot, there were violent things that happened, but like, you know, there was never any moment where there was the tiniest possibility that I I guess I'm not even clear on what people thought might happen. Like, you know, that it was going to turn into like a success, like a, a successful coup to, you know, I don't know, impose, impose fascism or, you know, get people to declare that Trump was president for life or something like, I have no idea. Nobody's ever adequately explained to me what the like successful version of January 6th uh, would have looked like. Um, but it is, it is definitely treated in this, in this way. And, and after that, like even a couple months, sorry, a couple weeks later, you know, when the inauguration uh, was about to happen, there were all of these warnings that there were going to be like armed attacks on like state capitals, you know, during inauguration and, and yeah. none, of, none of it happened. Right. And then it, it feels like there've been like a couple more since then and nothing's really happened. So I, I don't know. I mean, I guess there are people who are still living on the edge of their seats about this though. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, I mean, funny enough when this article got published was sort of the same week that the, Canadian trucker um, event started really blowing up and it sort of, we got it. We got a next shot of, uh, of freak out over, Oh, this is going to happen in America. And it's, you know, these are Nazi truckers that are going to come to Washington next and, you know, spark off this civil war. So we just got to, we just got some fresh juice for it. Yeah, which is a very strange thing, um, because it seems like with regard to the Canadian truckers, I was talking to David Grisco about this the other day. You should be able to hold like a couple different thoughts in your head at once. Like, uh, you know, one, it's you know, I mean, most Canadians seem to seem to approve of the you know Trudeau government's. Um, you know, response to, to COVID. So, so it is a minority and there's definitely an element of, of astroturfing, but it, it's just one of the many things. Like, I feel like this is a very persistent pattern and I want to get to Tom's call in a second, but like, it seems like a persistent pattern to me that the entire discourse around things like that, this is divided between it's good and it's the burning of the Reichstag. Like, right. Yeah. You know, maybe sometimes things could be bad, but not be the burning of the Reichstag. I mean, naively. Yeah. uh, You know, we don't have uh, a good discourse around things that are moderately troublesome, but um, are complex. And we just don't know how to respond to that. We either have to uh, it's so black and white that there's no room for nuance in the discourse. Yeah, I think so. And and I think that's also, I mean, I guess this is something I spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, like to hear your thoughts about that before we go to Tom, just that it's, I think also some people on the left maybe are in danger of confusing 
two really importantly different things, right? Like and this maybe is going to sound simplistic, but like on the one hand, you know, there are like, there's the sort of daily buzz of like culture war freakouts that just like consume all of our lives all the time now that, you know, the, I mean, like literally like we had two weeks where, you know, there's a military standoff between the United States and Russia, but like that got like 10% of as much coverage as Joe Rogan did. Uh, so like there, there is this sort of constant, like all of that stuff is constantly going on. And then there's the stuff that we, you know, want people to fight about, right. You know, about, uh, you know, distribution of material resources and, you know, and all of that stuff. But I think sometimes that like, if you tell people to calm down a little bit, about whatever the sort of main focus is in American politics at any given time. I think maybe some people on the left react to that badly because they hear that as like centrism when. Yes. Yeah. So, which, I, I want, yeah, please. Which, which I was just going to say is that some, that's some of the response I got um, on social media from this article is that I sounded like a liberal, <laughs> which cracked me up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right because it's like oh so if you if you don't want to be apocalyptic about this then then you're then you're a liberal you know which which is you know i mean you're just like a civility monger it's like i don't know i mean like could i just could i just want people to like lower the volume on this so they have time to think about the class war. I mean, like ideally, right. You know, that, uh, you know, like, like I, I just, it's, it's not that I, it's not that I don't want people to be angry. I, I just, I just prefer that it be a more usefully directed anger. And I, and I feel like kind of constant fear and alarmism about things that maybe don't quite deserve it, uh, is actually really bad for the cause of like getting people to become, angry, you know, getting people in society as a whole to be angrier about the right things. For sure. Didn't you write a book about that? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. Yes. Uh, canceling comedians while the world burns a critique of the contemporary left, uh, available to find bookstores everywhere. Okay. Let's get, uh, let's get Tom in on here on this. Uh, Tom, what's on your mind? Hey, what's up? Thanks for taking my call. Can you guys hear me good? Oh yeah. Hi Tom. Hey, what's up, man? Uh, so I was going to say, I didn't get around to finishing your article. Sorry about it. I Like, I literally caught it right before this came out. I was like, oh, shit, I got to read it. And, you know, now I'm here. It's Sorry a lot of words. Don't worry about it. Yeah, but I am I am subscribed to Jacobin. So, you know, you know I, I will All definitely right. Good give it a <laughs> So um, there's a part, you know, there's definitely a part of me that agrees. Uh, this is going to sound really cynical, and I'm definitely guilty in this. But even if things got that hot, I kind of feel like as Americans, we're like, you know, we're just a little too lethargic and maybe I don't want to, I don't like calling think like, you know, it's an ugly stereotype about, you know, Americans being lazy and stuff, especially considering like how aggressively we're worked over here compared to countries with better labor rights. But I do kind of feel like we're too comfortable to get into like a real civil war. Um, the other comment and then a question, sorry. The other comment I was going to make is this is definitely a symptom of being too online during COVID but there's definitely a, a part of like the the right and the left that fantasize and like LARP some kind of political civil war. You know, maybe this is just because I'm on Reddit too much. But um, I'll just put it chime in on this. Like, uh, so I'm I'm an Iraq War veteran, blah blah blah, and I was I was deployed during the peak of 
that conflict. And a lot of people, you know, yes, like on the whole, I, I, I have come to view it as a kind of like, you know, neo-colonial imperial invasion of a country. But underneath, it really was kind of a civil war when I was over there, just because of the extreme kind of ethno-political tensions. Yeah. And yeah. we were... I promise I won't ramble too long. No, we no, were, go for it, man. That's good. We were stationed... Uh, most of the time I spent down country was in the southeastern provinces, Basra, Mizan, uh, the Marsh Arabs that Saddam had drained out. Uh, surprisingly green, too, down there. You think it's all desert, but it's very green. Um, those are the Shias. And during those years, they were there. You know, there were occasionally there were proxies coming over the Iranian border and stuff like that. But, you know, it's, it's Shia country out there. And we actually didn't have much of a problem with the Shia. You had the Jay Shalmati and a couple militias, but um, it wasn't really that bad. The thing that shocked me in hindsight that I think a lot of people don't think of is when countries and states fall, like when they lose that trust and they fall into civil war, it's the real basic stuff that disappears, like sewage and sanitation. And it's the one thing that, that'll stick out to you when you get out there, how bad it smells. And so you get these, like, actually very smart, educated people, you know, decent people, craftsmen and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, excuse my language, but they're, like, shitting in buckets and throwing it out in the street. And it's amazing how, like, even smart, intelligent people can kind of, like, that broad kind of systemic descent into anarchy and, like, filth and disgustingness. And, uh... Yeah, I guess I would say for a lot of the people who think, like, there's going to be some kind of civil war, I think they don't really think about just how ugly and nasty things would get if we got to that point. And they seem to have this idea that there's going to be a civil war, and they're going to win the civil war, and everything's just going to be great afterwards. Uh, and so the last question I had, of the people you guys encounter that are, like, kind of, like, the most politically polarized, how exactly would you say you have like um i don't know how to explain it well i guess you guys can comment on my comments or whatever because i'm having a hard time forming my question here oh, oh all right so of the most polarized like aggressive violent people you deal with um how do you uh, how is it exactly that you kind of like pull them back in from the fringe or it or once people are to that point is there really just like no point dealing with them yeah, Ryan, you have any thoughts? Well, um, I mean, first of all, uh, what you said about Iraq was uh, super interesting um, and about sort of the state of affairs there. And I will say that, um, you know, especially I currently live in Alabama and there are parts that, you know, I'm not going to say look like uh, Saddam Hussein era Iraq, but they're, you know, there are large swaths of this country, especially in rural America and parts of urban America, where um, things do look like there's been a civil war. It's just been a, a slow uh, war of attrition, you know, a, a starvation of resources. So, I mean, I think that that is um, that is a troubling situation that will exasperate uh, and uh, create more tensions. But um, as far as polarization, you know. One thing I found interesting uh, living down here was that w in the uh, George Floyd protests were going on and there were um, people in the streets, 
it was the right wingers that I talked to that were um, saying I heard a, at least from a couple times saying there's going to be a race war. Like this is the start of the race war, you know, and it didn't happen. You know, it 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 didn't happen. There were, um, I think you mentioned some scattered um, fighting between like Antifa and some Black Lives Matter protests, or I'm sorry, um, some counter protesters, but there was never what you would call a race war during that time. No, I mean the actual like the actual death toll in like considering the scale you know, considering the scale of unrest and rioted, like the actual number of, of deaths, as I understand, it was extremely low, you know, summer of two thousand twenty, like, you know, compared to what I think you might think given the scale of uh of riots. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, and I guess that's a good example because, and it goes to Tom's point, you know, like first point, right? Because, like, there is a reason for that, right? I mean, that if you, I mean, if you think about people, you know, like Iraqi insurgents, you know, who, who were shooting at Tom, like, it just, the level of, of commitment that would take. Right, I mean that you are you are willing to, um, you know, you're willing to risk like a very good chance that like a bunch of members of your family are going to die, you know, tons of your friends are going to die, you know, like it just, you know, you're going to have this massive, you know, breakdown. I mean, that's that's something that I would think, you know, you'd really have to be pushed into the edge of desperation to to be willing to even really contemplate you know, doing. And it just seems like, I mean, it, it just, it just seems like you're not like, I, I, I think maybe the mistake that some people are making is that they think that like, just being like super duper fired up by like inflammatory rhetoric that people hear on like cable news or, you know, like read on parlor or whatever, is going to do that. And I, and I just, I just don't think that's how it's, it's, it's ever, you know, really going to, to work. I mean, like the, the one civil war America has actually had uh, happened because there was a large part of the country where the dominant class, like thought that the entire basis of their economic system was going to be taken away. I mean, like that's the kind of thing that could actually start a civil war in, in, in ways that just like, people getting super fired up by, you know, like the kinds of things that, you know, did, um, you know, where there's, you know, even like, even the like most deranged conspiracy theories about like COVID or the 2020 election. I mean, it, it, it just, you know, it just seems like view from 10,000 feet. Like, you know, you think, okay, you're just hearing about the society. It's all being described to you. That just doesn't sound like anything that would actually, take large numbers of people to the the brink of that. I mean, like, I guess to, to Tom's last question, I mean, I, I would, I guess, uh, I mean, I think about like in my home state in Michigan, uh, when right at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, there were like armed protests at the state Capitol, which is obviously alarming, but, and, and I think it's also, you know, I mean, whatever, I think it's incredibly irresponsible. It's playing with fire, uh, to, you know, have a bunch of people with guns, in an angry situation, but also I think there's a reason that nobody actually fired any of those guns because like, 
you know, people are in many cases hurting economically and, you know, that there is, and I think that is what some of that kind of like right wing anti lockdown movement was, was definitely feeding on. Um, but also that's just not like people like most people who would be like protested at the state Capitol just have an enormous, like even despite that, like they, they have an enormous amount to lose right now. Yeah. And I think it's, kind of irresponsible to even really talk about civil war in the first place. I mean, civil war evokes, I mean, when we're talking about American civil war, we're talking about the bloodiest uh, campaign in you know, American history. And um, it just totally changed the face of the country. And to compare what, you know, what is happening, what could happen in the next few years and compare it to that, I think is irresponsible for, the liberal or the conservative press to do. Yeah, I think so. And, and actually, I, I mean, one thing that does occur to me as we're talking about this is that it is kind of funny that like, because in some ways the message of your article is like, calm down a little bit about this and calm down can read to some people, you know, just, just on a visceral level of centrism. Uh, so I, I kind of get the like, Oh, you sound like a lib reaction, but in, in a lot of ways, I think the opposite is going to be closer to the truth, right? Because if if you really believed that we're on the verge of you know civil war in the United States of America with everything that would mean, I mean that's uh, which you know in many ways would be an unprecedented event, you know, like a society with the sort of um, you know a mass military deadliness that the American empire has like directed that internally. Um, if you really believe that, then like, yeah, why would you, uh, like, why would you be like trying to like start fights with, you know, with like mainstream Democrats about Medicare for all or whatever. I mean, like surely that would have to go on the back burner. Like while you were dealing with this, cause this would be so urgent that that would just like completely swamp everything else. I would think. Or spent three weeks talking about a podcaster on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah right <laughs> you know i mean there, there is definitely a performative contradiction there like you know you like if you think like oh yeah there's like the the fascists are coming you know there's like we're gonna have like blood in the streets then like how is it that you're like treating it as if it's the top issue that you have like a podcaster who like says like, you know, who like says bad things or could lead people to make bad decisions or, or, or whatever. I mean, that's gotta be, you know, like that's gotta be a way down at the bottom of your priority list. Like if you, you know, like if, yeah. if, if you're an American, like 18, you know, if it's like 1859, 1860, and I don't know, what's the 1859 version of a podcaster? Like, uh, Oh, the, uh, you know, the, the kid screaming on the uh, street corner, the uh, street urchin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess that is probably the closest equivalent. <laughs> <You know? laughs> President Lincoln, sir! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So, you know, you wouldn't really be that consumed with whether that kid was, like, passing out misinformation because it's like, okay, you know, we're about to start having, like, mass deaths, you know, like, and, and, and just, like, social breakdown and, you know, I mean, whatever. I mean, the city I'm living in right now, Atlanta was like burned down as part of this process. Like it just wouldn't, you know, like the idea that there was a, um, 
like a pamphleteer, you know, who was like, the, <laughs> you know, who was saying things about, you know, about medicine that, you know, like the, you know, influenza or whatever that, that were, that wasn't entirely accurate. Like, I just can't imagine that under those extreme, like dire circumstances or like the fact that everybody, you know, everybody has a take, uh, like, I mean, it, it's not quite like the weeks of Rogan discourse, but like everybody has a take on like Whoopi Goldberg, right? Like people yeah. have like spent all this time thinking and talking about what someone, what like an actress said on like a sort of light frothy, like morning talk show. And, and it just, it just seems like, I mean, if, if, if I really thought that I was about to like see my country turned into a rock, you know, I, I just can't imagine that I would, like have the emotional energy left over to care about that. Well, maybe it would be useful uh, for the listeners to talk about like these fictional scenarios that yeah, please, March yeah. comes up with in his book. Yep. Uh, so his book is the next civil war. And I, I, I talk about it in the article and it's, it's an interesting book because it sort of blends the speculative. It's kind of speculative fiction that combines it with some journalism about things that are actually happening like uh i mean he talks about january 6th and um some of these militia groups and what they're planning and what they're doing but then he extrapolates that and then comes up with uh several different scenarios that he thinks is you know a good chance to happen including um the president being assassinated in a jamba juice is, is one of the scenarios <laughs> Okay. True. That's that's so. Sp- <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because he he takes like a novelist's approach, so he sets up this whole scenario about how this lone wolf um, right winger, um, radicalized on the internet, uh, assassinates. I don't think he says Biden in particular. He just says whoever the president is is doing some sort of PR stunt in a Jamba Juice, and he gets uh, shot and killed by this kid. And so that's one of the four. Um, one of the others is that um, New York City is just washed away by a massive hurricane. And because things are so bad there, they just never come back. So it's just like New York is just destroyed. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, open. I mean, it's very cinematic, that's for sure. Yeah, no, it, it is. I mean, I think, uh, think you... I mean, I think in the article, if I'm remembering right, you know, you say something like, you know, at the, you know, I mean, it's like, okay, so he's got like a little bit of a literary touch and, you know, he makes a, a big show of being informed by like expertise and stuff like that. But like in a sort of, um, you know, you, you dig at this a little bit and it's like, how different is this from the sort of hysterical fantasy scenarios that you hear if you listen to Alex Jones? Yeah. Oh my gosh, totally. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, like, he takes this whole scenario, he calls it the battle, I think, of the bridge, where it's this um, sort of rogue sheriff who is kind of like uh, Arapo. Is that how you pronounce it? Sheriff Arapo, the, the, the sheriff that Trump loved? Joe. Arapo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Arpaio. I think it was Arpaio or Arpaio. Yep, that's right. Yeah. So it's kind of like him. He wears this like black hat and he, he's good on TV and he, um, he has this army on the bridge and, and in a way it funny enough, it is a little bit like the truckers on, uh, 
in uh, Canada. But in this scenario, it's like this big standoff. And then he is forced to, this general is forced to shoot at them. And this sparks like this huge civil war. (laughs) It's something. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess here's a question about like how much, how much appetite do you think there is for stuff like this in like blue America right now? A lot. I mean, things are, are very unsettled and we're looking for, I mean, honestly, we're kind of looking for a narrative, right? We're looking for something to explain. I mean, what, what has happened since January 6th? What, what, what events have happened? Not much, right? Like, I mean, as far as, you know, we've seen the kind of, uh, the wave of COVID. Sure. But as, as far as political violence, there really hasn't been much, but I feel like people need with Trump gone, they're looking for a narrative. They're looking for something to grab a hold of and be scared of and to like, give them a sense of purpose. And, uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe war with Russia will do it. Maybe war with China will do it. Or maybe the Civil War will do it. We got we got a few things to pick from. Yeah, which is kind of funny that you put it that way because like that sort of groping around for a sense of purpose is not like. I mean, it, I mean, in some ways, that sounds like the sort of thing people would say in like the kind of like relative complacency of the nineties, right? I mean, it's like the. Uh, like that sort of sounds like dialogue from Fight Club, you know that the uh, you know we we, we need to uh, you know big wars so we can have a uh, can have a sense of purpose. But yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, like because there there is you know there is a sense in which um, even though like very little has happened, you know, since that. I mean, certainly in terms of like um, you know right wing political violence. You know, it, it's been, you know, pretty quiet, you know, for the last year. Um, I mean, I'm sure that, like, there there could be people who are listening to this later, or maybe even right now, you know, call in and say, oh, no, but wait a second, what about this and this and this? And, you know, maybe they could come up with, like, some incidents that I'm not familiar with. But, like, certainly in terms of anything sort of flashy and dramatic, you know, I mean, like, I can't think of, of anything really in the last year. Um, and in fact, I mean, you know, if anything, it, it seems like a lot of what we've learned has has sort of complicated our understanding of, of some previous incidents um, that you know that like seemed much more dramatic maybe than they really were at the uh, at the time, right? Like you know, like I think, um, I mean, like I think that uh, in a sane society, Kyle Rittenhouse wouldn't have been allowed to get anywhere near an already chaotic situation, like carrying this like massive gun, like that they, you know, that we would have laws that would allow the cops to stop him from doing that. Uh, you know, because that's like pouring, you know, gasoline on a, on a fire, but like the initial way in which that was received, uh, and, and sort of, you know, went around, like just made it sound like, like he was just like walking into a protest, like spraying fire, you know, like, like, like just, just, you know, just like randomly shooting at people. Uh, and, and then we found out, you know, as people started to watch the trial and stuff, it was much more complicated than that. And, you know, 
there are arguments you could have about what the rule should have been despite that. But like, and, and with January 6th itself, right? You know, we've, we've found out since then that like a lot of the things that were claimed at the time were just not true. Uh, that, um, that nobody actually, uh, except for the one woman who was shot by the cops, you know, like nobody, you know, died as a result of violence uh, on the, uh, on, on January 6th. Uh, so, so like the actual, like, the actual fuel for the sort of narrative of like impending like civil war level disaster is like super thin, but like, I get what you're saying, you know, that, that if that it's still like, I mean, like why there might be some appetite for it now, just because like, you know, we're, we're at a time where like post, you know, I mean, like it's still a very, very strange time. And there are like lots of good reasons that people might feel very unsettled unsettled and uncertain right now oh for sure i think you got tom's dog by the way oh <laughs> uh, that's cool that's cool the dog we could hear from the dog <laughs> um but uh yeah you 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 mentioned the rittenhouse um yeah trial and uh i mean there was predictions of violence that were going to spring from the verdict and from you know the trial and and that didn't happen either which is not to say again that no but 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 it is but it is a significant point right i mean i do want to i do want to pause on that just for a second because like the way that people were talking about that it was like as if it was a certainty that there were that there was going to be like you know like all sorts of violence and riot, you know, if that, if, if the verdict came in the way it did. Right. And, and the fact that there wasn't, um, I, I think says something, says something in itself, right. Which is not to say that like there haven't been, or like won't continue to be in the future, sometimes riots about things like this. Of course there have been, and there will be, but like, I, I, I think that the sort of, um, I think the disconnect between, expectation and reality does say something about how maybe like some like media right now in a in a bizarre sort of way doesn't exactly like want things to be more violent and chaotic but like sort of on a narrative level does want things to be more violent and chaotic yeah i mean the trump years were were amazing for uh the liberal media and it gave them a certain purpose and you had you had um millions of people tuning into the news every single day, every moment to find out what the crazy thing was going to go on. But, you know, in the year, uh, the the Biden administration, I guess, has been notable for sort of a lack of things happening, except if you want to talk about COVID. Other mm-hmm. than that, you know, uh, it's it's a weird vacuum of, of action. Uh, although, you know, now we have sort of the, the rumblings with uh, with Russia. But um, yeah, we're people are kind of looking for who, who's the next Trump? Who you know? What are we going to uh, uh, be concerned about? What what's what's next? You know? Yeah, you probably. So I'm guessing you probably read uh, Matt Taibbi's book, Hey Inc. I didn't, but I know the general strokes of it and definitely agree with it. Yeah, I I mean it's a really I don't love all of Taibbi's more recent commentary. Uh, you know, and, and like some of the drift that he's taken the last couple of years, but uh, that's a. But I think that book is very good and it holds up. And and I think um, that the way in which it kind of, um, 
Yeah, the way it kind of diagnoses what's happened to to media. I mean, people have heard me talk about this before, so I'm not going to like spend too much time on it. But just the way that sort of the economic collapse of of traditional media uh, has led to the situation where it's like media is super fragmented. People can kind of curate their own media diet a la carte, and yeah. and the the economic incentives are to uh, are to really cater to whatever like remaining audience you have left and not just to cater to them, but like to, to really keep them like constantly on edge because you, you want to, you want them to, you know, I mean, you want them to watch all the time, right. You know, like, like if you have 24 hour news, you know, I mean, that's the, that's the financial model. Well, if you want a conspiracy theory, I mean, Rachel Maddow just took a sabbatical. I think she's going to try to start this some more. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't hear it from me, but... Oh, man, I could just imagine, you know, Rachel Maddow, you know, with like a bayonet, you know, just just, just leading the uh, leading the charge. Uh, yeah, against yeah. the truckers. That's, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to get in her Subaru Outback with an AR-15. All right, I'm sorry. No, no, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess the... Um, I mean, it just, I mean, that is, that is a wonderful image. Uh, <laughs> you know, what the Maddow militia, you know, would look like. Uh, oh, my was, God, Maddow militia. I love that so much. <laughs> it's, you know, just marauding, you know, through, uh, I don't know, you know, Park Slope or something. But um, but it takes, like, forever because they have to pick up all the recycling. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, uh, if, you know, if anybody else wants to call in and ask anything, we could do that. But like, if, if not, I, I would just say, um, maybe it's like a, a sort of final thing for you to sort of react and, and, uh, and riff on a little bit if you want to, I, I guess I just think like, well, I, I have some thoughts about this, but I mean, I, I guess one thing I want to address, cause I, I, I think that somebody would, um, I could very easily see somebody listening to this and thinking that, right? It's like, okay, maybe you guys are right, right? Maybe there's not going to, you know, be blood in the streets between, you know, Canadian truckers and the Mad Out Militia. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, but ultimately what's the sort of like, why should I care? In other words, like, let's say people are being like a little too alarmist about this stuff. Like, politically is is there is there a reason why it's like worth it or 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 important for what we care about to push back against that sort of thing well i think you know as someone with a history background i think that a lot of times the media and a lot of us um fall back on the same comparisons to everything that happens in america it's either uh the civil war world war ii uh or nazi germany those are like the few only events that have ever happened so (laughs) in my mind like what's happening right now and what could happen over the next few years could look a little bit like the late 60s early 70s and i I, i'm not the first one to say that but um the early to mid 70s was a time of um of a lot of chaos and bombings i I was reading when I was doing research for this story, actually. I didn't really include this, but there was an 18-month period 
from like 71 to 72, where there are 2,500 domestic bombings in America. Now, most of those were property, you know, and not, there weren't many fatalities, but um, lone wolf violence and maybe scattered um, bombings and violence, that is a possibility, I think. Sure. Um, so that would make what's happening, again, more like the upheaval of the 70, 60s and 70s than the American Civil War. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense to me. I I, I agree, right? I mean, that, that seems like the... Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think that a realistic worst-case scenario for political violence looks much more like... Um, you know, like the troubles in you know Northern Ireland, although it would probably be less than that. It'd probably be more like the uh, the you know like the seventies with all the you know with all the sort of uh, bombings by you know weatherman esque uh, yes. you know groups. Uh, then that that kind of like bloodier sort of tit for tat killing in, in Northern Ireland. But even there, right? I mean, yeah. that is that is still very different from an actual civil war. Like th- those are those are different prospects, right? I mean, like. And I'm not saying that like that would be a horrifying prospect because it would be, but I mean like it's 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 just a different prospects that like that there's no um, you know it's a different thing or maybe it's like on the edge between you know like an actual civil war and and a uh, and like something more like the U.S. in the seventies where you know like yeah there were all these bombings but like you know the actual number of people who were killed by political violence you know in the U.S. in the seventies was still very low. Uh, and and it was it was not like you know most people could live a life that wasn't you know like characterized yeah. you know it, it's not like there was ever a point in the early seventies that like kind of the height of like anti Vietnam War bombings it's not like there was ever a point where it was like oh there are like troops in the streets because you know I mean like I mean there were troops sent to like individual places right but like you know in some sort of ongoing way or you know that the uh, um, people are like navigating around bomb threats, you know, like in Dairy Girls or whatever. Uh, so, so I think even that, right, you know, would, would be would be much less. But I mean, I guess, I guess my yeah. yeah sorry, please. Oh, I was just going to say the troubles were not considered uh, a civil war, but even then, um, we haven't had anything like Bloody Sunday necessarily. I mean, if we're going to consider uh, January sixth, this is the closest thing. But you know, I think there was something like. 16 people that were killed in bloody Sunday. Um, yeah. Again, that wasn't a civil war, but, uh, but it yeah. was bloodier than what we've seen. Yeah. Yeah. There was right. I mean, there was exactly one person who was shot on, on January 6th. And again, also telling that even when that happened, right, that, that there wasn't, mm-hmm. um, you know, they don't even, as far as I know, it hasn't even really been claimed that there were attempts, you know, to, to kill, you know, capital cops, uh, after that, right, which I think says something about how far people are from being ready to uh, to do that. I mean, I guess to me, the you know the re- I mean, beyond just being true, and you should say true things, you know. Uh, I, yeah. I think you know. I think the reason to to care about this a little bit is just that I think it like exaggerated the stakes of some of this stuff. I think helps direct a lot of political passion in the wrong direction. Uh, so I, and I'm not saying it doesn't matter who's elected and it absolutely matters who's elected. And, you know, and, and I'm not saying you shouldn't care about various like, you know, social issues, et cetera. You should care about all this stuff. But like, I also think that there's like 
a pretty fundamental sense in which um, if you in, in which like kind of the whole project for serious left politics right now is to like get people to be like less mad at their you know uncle that they see in Thanksgiving who has like different politics than them and like more mad at like you know Jeff Bezos and you know and uh, you know the yeah. uh, the, the Waltons. Well, here's something to think about too. Like, how much do you remember? Uh, you know, the year or two after nine eleven, and if you remember, there was this societal media thing where you didn't criticize George Bush um, because it was he was a wartime president, um, and we are patriotic, and so um, you know the Bush administration got a huge pass during that time because of that uh, protocol. And so, you know, one of the dangers of this talk of, of civil war is that it, it's, it provides political cover for Bi- the Biden administration to be like, look, we could be getting into a civil war. So let's not, you know, let's not pipe up about uh, the failures of his foreign policy or uh, domestic policy. Uh, you know, this, this, is a, this is a war coming. So chill out, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Like, I, I mean, if you think, um, yeah, I mean, if you think there's a, there's a war coming, then, then you should, uh, then you should calm down about that stuff. And, and I think we would like people to, uh, be, uh, be much more fired up about that. So, you know, I, I think if you can like calm down about the stupid threats, you know, you can, uh, you know, like that can, that can help to, to usefully redirect, um, uh, you know, usefully redirect people to, to get fired up about things that actually, um, you know, that actually matter, right? I mean, that like, we don't, we don't have, uh, you know, we're not going to have, you know, we're not going to have blood in the streets, you know, with the bad militia, but like we are, you know, we are going to continue having like tons of people die every year because they don't have healthcare and, you know, we, yeah. we are, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. You know, like I would, I would much, uh, I would much prefer that people, uh, people be be thinking about that, and focused on that, and angry at that. Anyway, um, people should read uh, Ryan's article in uh, in Jacobin. Uh, he's a really good writer. Uh, is there anything else you want to mention before we go? Um, just that I'm a Jacobin columnist uh, right now, so you should see me uh, pretty regularly on a weekly basis or so. So uh, read nice. me there. Nice. Uh, well, you know, I, I, I think there's, I think the, the best human beings on planet earth are, are Jack McCallness. So, uh, that's, that's, that's my, you know, that's my assessment. So, uh, <laughs> you know, if you're, if you're on the masthead of Jacobin, you know, that's the, uh, then, uh, then yeah, that, that puts you in the, you know, whatever top 20 people on earth. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, but you should read Ryan, uh, at, uh, at Jacobin. Uh, he's always good. He's always worth reading. Um, so, uh, we will be back for another one of these on uh, Sunday at, uh, at noon. We'll see people there and yeah, thanks for coming on brother. Thanks for having me, Ben. Appreciate it.